0: about you but Bradley thank you for teaching us that song if you listen to Christian radio then you might have the opportunity of hearing that song and what a great reminder to remind us especially as we think about prayer to think about the good good father that we serve and that we have the opportunity to pray to. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of James. James chapter 5, and what we're going to look at is uh, the latter part of this chapter, but I, I think it's interesting to read through uh, James chapter 5 and 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 get this in the context, this aspect of prayer that James talks about, in the context of what he's dealing with. He's going to start off talking about the rich oppressors that uh, these his readers would be undergoing these Christian readers he says in James chapter 5 and verse 1 come now you rich weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. And then he adds in their patience, with which uh, adds to what we're going to talk about when it comes to prayer as well. Therefore be pray- patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and he, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit a British writer by the name of Samuel Chadwick said this about prayer to pray as God would have us pray is the greatest achievement on earth such prayer life cost it takes time all, prayer, all praying saints have spent hours every day in prayer in these days there is no time to pray but without time and a lot of it We shall never learn to pray. Brother Charles Hodge has written a lot about prayer. And as looking through his book on prayer, he mentions many powerful things about prayer. And this is something he writes about the power of prayer. And as prayer is connected to faith, he writes, We fail in prayer because we misunderstand God and faith. When the sovereignty of God is not stressed, God loses His greatness. We sing about a good, good Father. What makes Him good? Because He is God. He is the great God, the awesome God, a good, good Father. The Bible loses its authority and obedience loses its virtue. And the church loses its priority. A proper reverence for God is the fertile soil of contrite prayer. Prayer demands a priority on God. In Hebrews chapter 11, faith worked, he says. Prayer equally works, but only when men work at prayer. Prayer is effort. Prayer is persistence. Prayer is faith in action. James talks about that as well. Men of faith pray because they love and trust God. You learn to swim by swimming and you learn to pray by praying. And I would add to what he says, we learn to pray by praying, but also by studying the prayers that we read about in Scripture. He says prayer is intense. We do not bend God's will to ours, we bend our will to His. Many reduce faith to an idol. They believe in believing. Faith is trusting God, not faith in faith. Abraham was not given a road map. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, he went out not knowing where he was going. And God would show him. This, and I love this statement, this is the adventure of faith. The placing of our hand into the hand of a God who can be trusted. It's the adventure. Faith prays. Prayer is the voice of faith. Faith trusts God, not self. Faith is death to self and total commitment to God. Faith is not being given all the answers. Faith is living without the answers. Prayer can only make sense when it is lived out. Job fully defined faith and prayer when he said in Job chapter 13, Though He slay me, I will hope in Him. There is only one conclusion, Hodge writes. God is the great knower in life. Prayer praises the highness of God. So if faith prays to a great and awesome God, why does it seem that when we talk about Things to work on, prayer is always there. You see, if God is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God, then why is it we don't pray more? I love those quotes from those two writers about prayer takes time. Prayer takes time, it takes effort, it's intense. But it's important. And there's power in it. I can find time to do lots of things that I want to do. And prayer, one of the most important things, takes time. You see, when we're too busy to pray, we're too busy to receive power. And many of the blessings of God cannot be given to mankind until we pray. In 1 John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, John writes this. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything, here it is according to His will. He hears us. Did you hear Him? We can have confidence in this. The confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything in His will, He hears us. Us And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. What an awesome opportunity. What an awesome privilege to talk to God, to be welcomed by God, to be heard and answered by God. A good, Good Father, the Creator of the world, and God hears us. You see, prayer is powerful, but where where, does the, where is the power of prayer? The power is in the good, good Father. The power is in God. It's not prayer that heals, it's God. God wants to hear from us, and God wants to help us. What then? are some of the important factors of prayer that we need to remember. Two, just two tonight. First of all, simply pray. Simply pray. Pray to the good, good Father. You remember James said in chapter 5 and verse 16, the effective prayer of a righteous man, the New uh, New American Standard says, accomplishes much. Do we really believe that? we need to believe it and we need to practice it. In all situations, the first thing we ought to do is pray. You ever caught yourself when when someone's in need and, and, and our first inclination is what can I do to help? What can I do? You ever heard someone or maybe say, just pray. Just pray. When in addition to helping, maybe that's the first thing we ought to do. Notice what James says in James chapter 5 and verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced fruit. He just simply prayed. You see, God's servant gives us a great example of what we ought to do. A great example of a man from prayer, a man of prayer, and we all learn from him and pray first. You see, what happened is, is Elijah believed in God, so he prayed. It's interesting that many times when we look at these biblical characters, Hebrews chapter eleven all oh, lists the hall of faith. I love those characters. But sometimes we look at those characters and one of the characters that I've been guilty of looking at like this before is the Apostle Paul. We look at these characters and we say, they're superstars. But James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was no different than we are. Elijah needed God just like we need God. Elijah had struggles just like we have struggles. Elijah at times battled the thoughts in his mind and needed God to help him just like we do. And because he believed, he prayed. What a great reminder for us. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Prayer is powerful because we pray to a powerful God who hears us. James says prayer accomplishes much. It's not just something we do because we talk about it and we say it's a good thing. It's because it's powerful because we pray to a powerful God. And it accomplishes much, James said. You see, when the Jerusalem church prayed, Acts tells us the house was shaken. Paul would tell us in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, that God gives us promises to do more than we ask or think, some versions say, than more than we can imagine. Someone asked this question, How powerful could the church be if God's power were tapped? A prayerless church is a powerless church church. Do you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 23? And I encourage you to read it. 1 Samuel 23. Over and over and over again, David, he comes to God and he's seeking God's guidance on what he should do, whether he should attack the Philistines or or what he should do in those situations. David, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 23, inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. The Lord told David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Cala. Several more times throughout the book of 1 Samuel it says, David inquired of the Lord, or he inquired of the Lord again to see what the Lord would have him to do in these situations. Also in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 23 when David inquired of the Lord this time, David inquired of the Lord again about going up against the Philistines all the times before. He said, yes, go and attack. But this time he said, no, do not go and attack, but rather circle around behind them. And David, the man after God's own heart, before he did those things and led those people into that battle to attack He always inquired of the Lord. And when he did, great things always happened. You see, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Someone has written, the best way to get a Christian on his feet is for him first to get on his knees. You see, Satan doesn't fear prayerless Christians. He laughs at our work and he mocks at our wisdom. But when the Christian prays, Satan trembles. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When the Christian prays, the devil... The evil one Jesus called them, he trembles. Because the power is not in me. You remember how the demons respond to Jesus? To his apostles, they didn't respond that way. But to Jesus, they said, We know who you are. James would say, You believe that's great. Even the demons believe and tremble. So when the Christian prays, Satan trembles. The second uh, important factor about prayer is the first is just simply pray, the second is God answers prayer. God answers prayer. A person was once quoted as saying this about prayer, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. But what are some of the ways that, that God answers our prayers? Sometimes God says, Yes. Oh, that's great. Sometimes God says yes. You remember James talking about Elijah in chapter 5, verses 17 and 18? He said Elijah prayed that it would rain, or that it wouldn't rain, and that it didn't rain. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it rained. Sometimes God says yes. It's recorded in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah. She prayed for a son, and God in his time, He blessed her with the prophet Samuel. Isaiah chapter 38 records where Hezekiah prayed to live, and God added 15 years to his life. But you see, here's the thing. Children do not know best. Benyon boys, y'all hear that? (laughs) <laughs> Children do not know best, but parents do, and in the same way men do not all do not always know what they need, but God does. However, our yeses do come with a warning: God's yes may have some unexpected Returns. You see, our lives may be uprooted when we pray for something. And God may say yes and our lives are uprooted. You see, we need to be careful what we pray for because we just might receive it. Someone once wrote, The walk of faith infers that we must always be prepared for the unexpected from God. God cannot be boxed in. When God is invited into our lives, all sorts of things can happen. Sometimes God says yes, but sometimes God says no." No is an answer too, right? Prayer was never intended for us to master God, but for us to be mastered by God. You see, fathers cannot always give their children what they, their children what they ask. Most of us have lived long enough, right, to thank God that he didn't answer prayers the way we wanted to. You remember, do you remember that Garth Brooks song that came out several years ago, "Thank God for Unanswered Prayers." Now, we know God answers prayers, but I think the song conveys the very message of what we're talking about here, that sometimes God says no, and later down the road, we can be thankful that God said no. Father God told Jesus, his son, no, three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. God told Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, no, three times when he petitioned him and asked him about the removal of the thorn in the flesh. Sometimes the best answer is no. You see, it's in prayer that we trust God's answer whether we like it or not. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God just says wait. Like in Luke chapter 1. You remember that wonderful story about Zacharias and Elizabeth? Elizabeth could not have children at the time. She was the mother of John the Baptist. But she couldn't have children. And so Zacharias and Elizabeth, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for children. Finally, an angel came and he promised Zacharias a son. But Zacharias wasn't happy with that because it didn't happen when he wanted it to. You see, he wanted that child 20 years prior. And God was simply saying, wait. Wait. And the Bible records in Luke chapter 1 and verse 20, the angel's response to Zacharias, How will I know that this is so? But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe My words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Abraham and Sarah... God promised. And He simply said, wait. Zacharias and Elizabeth, God promised. And He simply said, wait. You see, too many times we ask God to do things on our schedule. As if we created things. this time may be different than ours and so God may simply say wait you see Zacharias he could not speak until John the Baptist was born deep down we must ask ourselves do we really believe in prayer do we really believe in the one who hears and gives an answer though it might not be when we would like it do we really believe it someone once wrote Cease not to pray, and if the answer tarries, wait. God will come, and He can never come too late. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says wait, wait and sometimes God sends substitutes. Sometimes God answers it differently than, than we could even imagine or that even that we've been asked for many times the answer is much better than what we had hoped for what we had prayed for there was a confederate soldier in the civil war and he had these thoughts about prayer i asked god for strength that i might achieve I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for prayer that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I'd asked for, but everything that I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. What is it we're praying for? Just think about that for a minute. When I pray, what is it I'm praying for? What is it I'm praying for personally in my life? What is it that our families are praying for? Are we praying for our spouses? Are we praying for our kids? Young people, what are you praying for your parents? Are we praying as a church? I'm not talking about we just, in our worship service, it's opening prayer, closing prayer,
1: maybe a prayer
0: here. I'm talking about are we praying as a church? Are we praying for the church? Because see, the power is not in me, right? The power is in God. Prayer is intense and prayer takes time. But folks, when we spend time in prayer for our families, for our spouses, for our children, for our parents, for the church, we tap into those rich blessings and that awesome power from the good, good Father. People are often disappointed when our small prayers are not answered. But God is disappointed when our prayers are too small. See, sometimes God sends substitutes as answers. And then sometimes God's answers, many times, they change us. Charles Hodge, I love what he said about this. Prayer changes situations because God changes us. To change us is greater than hear him. To change us is greater than changing the circumstances. Having faith in someone is giving yourself to that someone. When we pray, we must be prepared to change. Now that's a lot to swallow. Because maybe you're like me and most of the time we're creatures of habit and we don't like the change. But if we're going to pray, and we're going to pray to the God who hears us, who can change our life, then we need to be ready to be changed. We must pray for broader shoulders, not an easier load. The greatest wonder in answered prayer may not be the blessings. Listen to him. It's seeing God in action in our lives. To know that God works in our lives is awesome. To pray is to change to be open to God, the good, good Father. You ever read our daily bread, devotional thoughts? One of them goes like this. One of the great paradoxes of the Christian faith is that God wants us to talk to Him about everything. Everything that is going on in our lives. Even though He already knows everything, so why pray? If you've ever wrestled with this question, and he quotes uh, from the 19th century preacher R.A. Torrey. He gives some helps on why pray. Among the reasons that he gives are these, because there is a devil. And prayer is a God-appointed way to resist him. Remember what I said? Satan's not worried about prayerless Christians. He's not worried about that. But he trembles when Christians pray. Tory says, pray because prayer is God's way for, our, for us to obtain what we need from Him. Remember what Jesus reminded the people in the Sermon on the Mount? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow and they don't toil. They don't take care of themselves. Look at the lilies of the field. Nobody. There's nothing taking care of them. And if God so clothes the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more will He take care of you? You see, instead of worrying all those, about all those things, seek first the kingdom of God. No, pray to the Almighty God, the powerful awesome God, the good, good Father. Tory says, pray because prayer is the means God has appointed for us to find grace to help in time of need. Pray because prayer with thanksgiving is God's way for us to obtain freedom from the anxieties of life and to receive the peace of God. Remember what Paul said? That passes all Understanding. Besides these reasons, it's enough to read the command in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing and realize that God wants us to talk to Him. Yes, He is all-knowing, but He also desires our fellowship. When we seek God's face in prayer, we strengthen our relationship with With him. Remember? Remember what we talked about this morning? What is the foundation of our fellowship? It's our fellowship with God. And once we've given our life to him, how do we maintain that? Time given in prayer. That's the most important reason to pray. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. Sometimes God answers with substitutes. And most times God's answers change us. And then sometimes God just gives God. God. It's likely sometimes that if God really answered our prayers, we couldn't handle it. Answered our prayers in the way we want Him to. That we couldn't handle it. And so sometimes God just simply gives us of Himself. What makes prayer powerful is that God is powerful. Prayer brings us into the presence of, of God through Jesus Christ. Do you remember when Jesus hung on the cross? Do, do you remember that scene? Do you remember what the Bible says happened in the temple? I, I mean, look around at our building. We are blessed and have an awesome building. But I want you to imagine the temple lathed in gold. It was a sight to see. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross and when He died and He gave up His Spirit, do you remember what the Bible says happened in the temple, the place of all places? The veil, if you will, was torn from top to bottom. Saying, now a child of God through His faith and obedience in Jesus Christ, can come into the presence of God any time. Boy, don't we serve a good, good Father who is ready to hear us. The more we spend time with God, the more we become like God. I came across this illustration of an illustration. I received these emails and this came across the email the other day. And it's entitled, Prayer and the Richest Man in the World. Do you know who the richest man in the world is? Probably most of us would say Bill Gates, right? <laughs> Used to be. Today, forward, or back in March, Forbes came out With their 2018 list of the richest people in the world, and the founder of Amazon dethroned Bill Gates as the wealthiest man in the world with a net worth of $112 billion. Can you imagine what it would do, what you would do with $112 billion? Man, that's a lot of money. Now imagine that if you bumped into Jeff, the founder of Amazon, and for whatever reason, maybe you return the package to him that was delivered to your house instead of his, and he promises that he will give you anything that you ask for. What would you ask for? Uh, a sandwich, a pack of gum, a twenty-dollar bill? No way. Why not? Because the guy is loaded. He has the ability to give anything you ever wanted or needed without thinking twice about it. In fact, Jeff makes so much money that in the time he spent writing you a check for a new car, he would make more than enough to pay himself back. If someone like him were to offer you anything, you would you would take advantage of it. You'd be crazy not to. You would ask for something, something incredible, something that no one else could give you. You would ask him. You wouldn't ask him for a cookie or a t-shirt. You would ask him for a new house or money to pay off bills or for a yacht. You wouldn't ask him for something small when he could easily give you something big. And then the writer asked this question. So why then do we ask so little of God? Wow. It's easy to think about what we might do with the $112 billion. Or if we ran into the guy who had that much. But what about the good, good Father? The awesome, powerful creator of the world. The one who the Bible tells us has given us life. You see, prayer is so powerful because our God is the most Powerful. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes He says no. Sometimes He says wait. Sometimes He gives substitutes. Many times prayer changes our life when we're prepared to change. And God gives of Himself. And folks, that's powerful. Tonight, Are you a child of God? You see, just like God wants to hear from us, God wants you to be His child. And maybe you're here tonight and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ. We talked about the New Testament church and what they did when they began. and We talked about what they had in common this morning from Acts chapter 2. You see, they believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They had in common repentance. They were ready to lay aside that old life. And remember, that was tough for a Jew. Because the Jews were God's people. The chosen ones. And they laid that aside in Acts chapter 2. To say, I'm ready to change. And they were buried with Jesus Christ in baptism signifying their willingness to die and be a part of His death, burial, and resurrection so their sins can be forgiven. So that now when they pray to God, the good, good Father, they can receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And you can do that tonight. Will you do that? It's our prayer if you haven't that you don't walk out of these doors. Please, give your life to the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight. And Satan has piled a lot of things in your life. Maybe Satan's been working on your mind. Maybe Satan's been pulling at your heart. Maybe Satan's been burdening your life and loading your life down. And you've been reminded of the good, good Father and the power of God. And the power of prayer to the powerful God. I know our time is about up. But I want you to know we will not leave this building without petitioning the good, good Father on your behalf. As together we stand and sing.